Welcome to Forever Young Adult, a podcast where I, Aoife, and I, Kira, discuss the books of the young adults, <laughs> the young adult books, the books that adults wrote for the young people. That's what we do. We discuss them. I just realized that we, for, for some reason, I was expecting you to say like young adult fiction and like we do, we've only covered fiction so far, but. I might be a real bastard and one day try find a young adult nonfiction book. Uh, so yeah, one day I'm... You should find some nonfiction. Let's do it. Lady Gaga has a book out about being kind to people, specifically aimed at young well, adults. Well, I was thinking more along the lines of the nonfiction I read as a teen. Um, so my first thought was a book called Quantum that I read because I found A Brief History of Time Too Easy um wow and then there's oh there's a book that john green recommended called the autobiography of cancer it's fucking amazing size of a bible but great work um but those are non-fiction and today we've got a fiction i believe we've a fiction by an irish author we do by an uh, irish bangladeshian author um and her name is abida jagadir and she was she was born in Bangladesh and has been living in Dublin since she was about 10 so she is um well into the Irish psyche I'm pretty sure she had to learn Irish as a result of coming over at that age so like one of us if you learn Irish one of us one of us if you learn Irish you are one of us but also if you come over and don't learn Irish also one of us (laughs) if you're in Ireland I mean one of us Honestly, I do know a lot of people who do everything they can to not learn Irish in school. So I give respect to anyone who does that. It wouldn't be my choice. I would have long-winded thoughts about the nature of minority languages and the need for their preservation. But sure, you can lead a horse to water. Okay, so um, you say that, but uh, that is exactly the student and the person that I was because um, very bad at Irish uh, to this day. And now, now at 28 years old, I'm like, oh, minority languages should be preserved and you should do what you can in order to like further them within your country and language. But as a 14, 15, 16 year old who just wanted to like get C's. I did want to drop Irish so that I could study geography instead and they would not let me. I, um, you can't, we can't keep talking about this because I'm going to have so many feelings. You know this. I, I love the Irish language a lot, okay? And that's, I also (laughs) love the Irish language a lot. I just am not good at continuing it within my own life. No, that's fine. That's fine. You can promote it in your work without speaking it yourself. You can make spaces for the communities who are learning it and are speaking it and where it is alive. And this is how you, this is how indigenous language preservation works. You know, it doesn't, you know, that Duolingo shit where people are saying that, you know, more people are learning Duolingo Irish than speak Irish. That's bullshit. No, you need communities where the language is used. This is so off topic. It's, but, a, um, it's a little bit on topic because one of the things in this book is that 
the two the two girls who are our central characters um one of them is born in bangladesh and then has moved to ireland and one of the things that she she feels a lot of feelings about is the fact that she doesn't have a great grasp of bengali like she has enough to get by within her house and they use a lot of bengali terms of endearment and whatnot but she herself is like i can feel it slipping like she was born and raised initially in Bangladesh and then they moved over to Ireland at it's not clear what age they moved over um in the book but probably when she was about 10 and her sister was about nine and so like she's now 16 and she can feel like her grasp when it's slipping away a bit and that's something that she's concerned about and also the other girl in this book is Flavia and she is Brazilian Irish her mother is Brazilian and her father is um, Irish and she also has some feelings about like her Portuguese and how the only person that she talks to in Portuguese is her mother and sometimes her sister and so she also doesn't have like as full a grasp of Portuguese as she would like and she has never lived in Brazil so I I know those are not minority languages but they are minority languages within Ireland and both of our characters feel feels about them. That totally counts. Um, I want you, the listener, although this is an audio podcast, I want you to envision me in a great big library reaching up to a dusty shelf and pulling down a series of tomes and they're called like Psychology of Language Acquisition 2, Psychology of Language Acquisition 1, brain and behavior and language because these are modules I did in my undergrad many years ago and I have reactivated the knowledge <laughs> um yeah you need a lot of community support to uh have fluency in a language like a child who only hears their la- a certain language spoken in the home it won't learn it particularly well because unfortunately the thing about the human brain is it constantly wants to make you dumber uh the brain takes 20 to 25 percent of all the energy your body uses so that's a very very energy consuming organ uh you're always trying to cut corners and if you notice that hey if i learn english i will get to talk with you know ten thousand people versus if i learn bengali i will get to learn talk to 10 people i'm gonna prioritize my english learning even if on a conscious level both the learner and the people in that family want you to want your Bengali to be pretty good. Yeah, you need you need to do a lot of work to to keep fluency up in minority languages. Um, one of my lecturers in college was an Irish second language speaker, and she raised her kid as a Gaelgore because a lot of people who want their children to have Irish fluency these days for the first few years only speak to the kid in Irish because they'll pick up English. It's not a problem. And that would also be my recommendation to um, immigrant families trying to maintain uh, a native language in an English dominant environment is keep the kids native fluency up because it will be a great advantage to them and they will pick up the environmental language. But this kid only ever spoke Irish with her mom. That's, And so she was like, this is the language me and mam speak. 
And then the mother eventually managed to arrange a play date for her with another Gilgore family. And the kid immediately started bursting out crying because she was like, Mom, why are you speaking to this other kid in our language? Oh no, they didn't. Oh no, the context. And they didn't understand because they're a baby. And oh no. Yeah. <sighs> Children are the best. Their brains are so sticky. Like everything yeah, about them is hard sticky. To be three. But also their brains just... I, sticky is not the word I want for their brains, but I'm. It kind of is. Like they just pick things up. Squishy. Their brains are so squishy. They have squishy little mm. brains that pick up information like sponges. Sponge brain children. I love them. Will we go back to the before book? we get off our language tangent and back onto the book though? I do want to say people often do glorify children's language acquisition, and will be like, oh, I can't even speak to a you know four-year-old who's a native speaker of this language i'm so bad at this i'm like yeah how long do you think it took the four-year-old to reach that level of fluency it took them four years and they have oh they've total immersion whereas you've been like trying to pick something up through a phrase book for like a few years no give yourself some slack so um with that, I will try reduce my interjections on the psychology of language because I hear this is a nice gay romance you've got for us. Here. This is a nice gay romance, enemies to lovers, but like they're 16, so they just kiss a little bit. Oh, yes. <laughs> yes, I love it. Enemies to lovers, you don't have to consummate the lovers. I just... Lover is a... I feel like Leonard Cohen used the term lover and then everyone was like, oh, it's incredibly horny. But it's just Leonard Cohen who's incredibly like, horny. Any you know? word that Leonard Cohen used to describe a romanticness is horny. That's just, he didn't yeah. know how to exist in a non-horny state. And therefore, that's, just, but yes, yeah. this is a, this is a enemies to lovers. It's very good. They are two main characters. Or to be honest, right? Flavia is the love interest and she is a main character. But I'm also like, I'm pretty sure she's only on like half, not even half the pages. The main relationship in this book mm -hmm. is between Nishas and her sister Pretty, And mm -hmm. like, that is the relationship of the book to me. It really is a story about sisters. But also one of the sisters mm -hmm. is starting a romance. And it's good. Cool. It's good. So as I said, um, the book the book is called The Henna Wars and it is set in Dublin, which is really cool. It's now my favourite thing is for books to be by Irish authors set in Ireland. I spoke before about how I didn't know I needed that representation, but apparently I do. Even... Skullduggery Pleasant just It wasn't Skullduggery. It was... Um, the falling in love montage awoke it in me yeah like Skullduggery really? was good and I was like it's so classy that you see all these place names that you know and this also has a scene on the Haypenny Bridge where I was like yes the Haypenny Bridge is just the go-to place for things to happen in Dublin but um it was it was the falling in love montage that made me be like yes I need Irish teens to fall in love with other Irish teens because you want to hear the word shift yeah they don't say shift in the henna wars which is upsetting. dubs, God. <laughs> I forgot. Okay, I will be making fun of this for being a dub book. Do not dare. 
It's not a dub it's book. It's dubs. So like they're great. I want dubs to have books. I think I think the real reason that this book doesn't use shift is because it was initially published in the US and it has only got picked up by a UK and Irish publisher in the last like six months to a year. So mm-hmm. like within it, there is like a couple of things. And I've I've heard Abida talk about the book and she did have to Americanize it a small bit. And then when they brought it back to a UK publisher, they undid that. But the okay. main then they undid that in most ways. So I know that like in the American version, they use dollars, even though in the in, in Ireland we use the Euro. And in this book Is it set in America in the American version? No, it's still set in Dublin. It's just that But Americans just have no conception of Yeah. An international world. Apparently. But the other thing is that in and it's it, it held over for this one and it did like throw me just a little bit because I was like, I have no understanding for what that actually means is that the temperatures are still given in Fahrenheit. And I was like, it's 32 degrees. What the hell? That's absolutely roasting. And then we I remember like that. Five uh, days of that a year. Max. Fahrenheit is like three or four. Maybe. I don't know. It's a it's a regular summer day. <laughs> um, three or four degrees. No, it's more than that. It's got to be about 10, doesn't it? I don't know. Now I feel like I should Google us. All I'm thinking of is the Mountain Goat song where he says outside it's 92 degrees. And it's just meant to indicate that like it is kind of hot to be wearing goth apparel. But it means like 30 degrees or so. Oh, okay. So I Googled 32 degrees Fahrenheit and apparently that's zero degrees Celsius. And I'm pretty sure that she said it was that temperature on like a September day. And I'm like, it was no way. It might have been like in the five to tens, but there's no way it was it, could it was be freezing. Cold. It Not wasn't in Dublin, but Dublin in theory. Dublin this is a thing that I know. Dublin gets less rain than the rest of the country, but it is colder than the rest of the country. But I is feel, it? Yeah, it has to do with the mountain placement. That's interesting. The, I did not know that. Um, although I was talking to my mom recently about the possibility of moving back up to the northwest, and she was like, "Oh, you're gonna miss your lovely dry days and your lovely bright skies." And I was like, "I will. I bought a sun lamp." <laughs> Um, so within this book, which is set in Dublin and is lovely, I just love people getting the Lewis and complaining about Dublin bus because I get yeah. the Lewis and complain about Dublin bus. At one point, uh-huh. I do that. At one point, she's waiting for the bus and it goes from 10 minutes to 11 minutes to 12 minutes and back down to 10 minutes within the space of one minute. And she's just like, I hate it. And I was like, Babe. Dublin bus isn't constrained by the realities of our time okay i'm i'm so much going to be doing tangent on tangents um do we have time and space for that or should i not we have time and space um the plot up for this book is fairly simple as i said i think that Mm -hmm. the primary relationship within this book is actually between nasha and her sister pretty her sister pretty We, we can put a disclaimer if we don't no, we're pronouncing things right. Oh, I know that we're not. I Okay, I know that I am mispronouncing most of the names, partly because I knew... Kira often mispronounces the, the word mispronounce. Yes, like. I knew that I wasn't saying 
Nishat's name right um right at the start because it 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 featured a bit in the book where she was like this person is pronouncing my name wrong and so I've corrected her and I was like cool I wasn't pronouncing it that way but it's good to have like a better grasp of how I should be pronouncing it and then later another character is saying her name and she's like I hate how she says my name with like a a hat at the end and I was like oh I've been saying it that way and now we're nearly finished the book and as a result of these two spots where um where we got pronunciation guides I'm like I've lost all confidence that I knew how to say your name I'm really sorry um is it Nishat so the H is more an aspiration yeah it's Nishat um cool yeah did I tell you ever that Jamie has a friend Jamie has an old friend from school who none of her friends are allowed to say her full name because they always fuck it up. But I didn't know this. And so when I like met her, I was like, oh my God, hi. And like her name, her name's Ashwini. Um, and I said, oh my God, hi Ashwini. And she like looked around at everyone. I was like, she got it right. First time. <laughs> What's wrong with you people? Cause so everyone has to call her Ash. Mm-hmm. Um, because she's very annoyed when people call her Ashwini because it's Ashwini um, but yeah um, the other thing is that made me be like oh maybe maybe my pronunciation isn't so far off is the fact that uh, the second pronunciation where the person was going heavy on the H was also a guidance counsellor and anytime mm-hmm. that I've met with a guidance counsellor I've been like why are you saying my name like that what are you with doing? Heavy empathy. And I'm just like, you You can't, what are you doing? You can't say Kira that way. And I can't replicate how they say Kira, only that it is wrong on my ears. And I'm like, what are you Kira. doing? No. It's Kira. like Kira. It's like a heavy C or something. And that doesn't make sense because the C in Kira is heavy. That's why it sounds like a Kira. K. Kira. I don't know. I don't know. I can't replicate it. I just know that when guidance counselors specifically say my name, they say it wrong. It's wild to me that you've ever uh, seen a guidance counselor coming as I do from rural deprivation. Wild um, to me that you think that my parents wouldn't pay for... Well, my school had a guidance counselor and I also went to a private guidance counselor at one point because my parents were like... That's true. But something is wrong with this child. Um um, yeah, tell us both, more about Pretty though, since she's wrong. So, um, tell us more about Pretty since she's apparently the you know she's quite important. Yes, so Pretty is um, Nishat's younger sister, and there's only a year between them, and they are inc- Oof. incredibly close. And the sister relationship in this was like really good because I have a sister, and I know that you have a sister, and I love my sister so much and Mm. Nishat loves her sister so much and also I think that they end up in a disagreement in almost every time they are nice to each other they're like no this is terrible actually (laughs) and I was like yes being a person with a sister who is a year within a year of age of you is a horrible thing to grow up with because what particularly for girls you're understood in opposition to each other 
you've got the quiet one and the sporty one or the bookish one and the outgoing one and that might not accurately reference your your personalities at all but it's it's the fact that you're constantly seen in comparison with one another um so the more the slightly more into pink one is considered the girly girl and like the one who played football one time is the sporty one i don't know if that's universal it's definitely something i've seen um i don't think that that applies to these two sisters and part of it is that like they share a culture and while there is quite a large bangladeshian community within dublin if you know where to go for it they are still isolated from their culture within the wider like in their school their school is considered quite diverse for dublin and there's mm-hmm. about 10 people of color in it so yeah. they share something they share something and they're always they're almost always together um to the point where i was like pretty is supposed to be doing her junior cert and she just keeps appearing in places and i was like go to class you gotta go to why are you not in class but also she's studying a lot she bans she bans nishat from talking about the junior cert uh, right at the very start of the book and it's very amusing to me because my sister is Nishat constantly thinking about the junior sir no it's because she's like she's like our parents are always talking about the junior cert and we don't have to be talking about it like you just did it you understand it's not something that we need to be participating in we can talk about other things um and so they agree to that and it's quite good pretty is also like so supportive of her sister that at the very start I thought that she was actually the older one but she is mm-hmm. the younger. Nisha is a lesbian and yeah. she knows this at the start of the book and has at a undefined time previous to the start of the book told Pretty this and Pretty was like cool you're my sister I love you let's go uh, but she hasn't yet told her parents and like the very first scene in the book is Nishat deciding that she will tell her parents that she's a lesbian because they have gone to a Bangladeshian wedding in Ireland and they are currently mm-hmm. attending it in the scene. And she's like, my parents are looking at the bride, but like so much pride for both the bride herself, who is a family relation, but also like she can see in them this expectation that they're like, nearly looking at her with the future pride that they anticipate feeling for their own children. One day my baby will be this. Yeah. Yeah. And she's like, I can't let them continue living life with that expectation for me. And so the day after the wedding, she comes out to them. And that's like one of the primary conflicts in the book is her parents' reaction, which is that they're like, we love you. And we want you to make a different choice in your life. But we will not, like, we don't want to stop supporting you in any way. But we do want you to know that this isn't the choice that we think that you should make. And it's very awkward for everybody involved. Are these two girls the only siblings in the family? Yeah. 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 Well, it's just the two girls. At least there's another girl. Just, you know, um, you can still have a heterosexual daughter. It's just mm-hmm. not going to be me. Yes. Um and that that continues throughout the book. The parents 
just because I cannot participate in books in which uh, there is homophobia, I do just need you to know that like there is a happy ending and the parents do come round to being like, we don't fully understand what's going on, but we understand that this isn't like a choice for you and that we do love you and we support you and hmm. we want that you is to a be good, a as good happy as warning you can to have. And, and some of it comes about from mm-hmm. the parents actually witnessing the racism that their daughters experience. So, because what one of their things is that the parents had a love match, which is not acceptable within... Is, is slightly, to my understanding, is slightly more acceptable now in Bangla- in Bengali culture, but was not cool when they bit were... A un- bit controversial. ...getting together. Bit like having a gay kid. Yeah. And that's part of why Nishat is like, they'll accept me because like they already had this. But instead they're like, no, we dealt with the shame that our match brought on our family and how like our parents struggled with it. And so we don't want the same for you. And Nishad is like, yeah, you can just choose not to be ashamed of me. And that will <laughs> that sort would that really out. Help. But a lot of it is like how the community looks at them and different things like this. Mm. Um, and also the fact that they are Muslim and they are not like strongly practicing, but they are Muslim. Because at one point uh, Nishat is like, my mom was praying last, like the, the, the prayer materials are out, which is us. Mm. So like they're not very devout, but they are Muslim, and there it is said that they're like Muslims aren't gay, and Nishad is like, well, here I yeah. am. That's just factually inaccurate for multiple reasons. Just he poses in front of them like I'm well. Um, except that Nishat would never actually T-pose because she is very she's like I am very shy, I am very quiet, I am socially awkward, I don't participate in anything that makes me stand out from the crowd because I don't really want to be noticed because I'm already noticed too much which I found I found very amusing because uh even the other characters uh Flavia near the end when they do start talking to each other is like I just admire so much how like stoic you are and how brave you are and how you stand up for everything that that you are and you're always the same person whereas because Flavia is is mixed race and her family on her mother's side is Brazilian and black and her family on her dad's side is white. She's like always trying to like semi play these different roles where she's like, I feel like I'm a different person at home than I am with my white family. And it's because I'm trying to like fit in with them a bit more. And also like her mom has these expectations of her Mm. where because her mom speaks with an accent and different things the white side of her family looks down on her a bit and so she puts like extra pressure on Flavia to be more successful because she's like they she also has a cousin who is the same age as her called China with a Y who is white and blonde um and she they're the same age so they're almost in direct competition while also being cousins Mm -hmm. and friends and China is our primary antagonist for most of the book as well because she has participated in a lot of racism towards towards um uh towards Nash towards Nashat and her family. Her Nashat's parents own 
a Bengali restaurant. Mm-hmm. And when Nashat was in first year, her and China were kind of friends by proxy of the fact that they their lockers were beside each other. And then as soon as China was like, oh no, I found the people that I actually want to hang out mm-hmm. with, she dropped her. But not before spreading rumors that people who are Bengali all have major digestive issues because of the spicy food that they eat. And also that like the, <laughs> the, the family restaurant will give people diarrhea as a result. And other microaggressions. Uh, that's so mean. I hate that. Yeah. I hate China with a Y. It's... It is kind of surprising. Like, so Flavia is like, she's my cousin and I know that she's not great, but she is also my cousin. And and also I want to get accepted by my white family. So I don't want to speak out about a thing that would make me otherized, a.k.a. more a person of color in their eyes. Yeah. And it does really highlight that thing where sometimes people are really good and accepting to the to the people closest to them that they love and then they but they don't understand that that means that they should uh, extend that love and acceptance to people that they don't know were love and so when Flavia someone says something racist to Flavia China is like what the hell that's you can't do that that's awful but she does the exact same things herself to Nishat and mm-hmm. her family so She's just not, some of it, and I don't want to excuse racism, some of it is 16, 15 year old lack of awareness, and a lot of it is It's the difference between allyship and solidarity, right? Because, like, China loves her cousin, so she cares about her cousin and things her cousin deals with, but she doesn't have racial solidarity. She doesn't have, like, she hasn't decided to stand with people facing racism. She just hasn't computed it at that level. She's just with her cousin. So she doesn't see what she does as perpetuating systems which disadvantage her cousin or the stuff she does as the same as like the stuff people do to her cousin because that's not her cousin. It's not about people of colour and the issues they face it's about her cousin and the issues she faces so she's like and this is me presuming again I haven't read the book the whole concept of our programme she's an ally to her cousin but not in solidarity with her yeah mostly like she does also does also like not be the best towards Flavia but in very subtler much more subtle ways. Flavia at one point is like, when we were young, there was no, like neither of us saw any difference between us. And now as we get older, I feel like I see a lot of differences between us. And, but China still sees us Mm -hmm. the exact same. And Flavia believes that some of that is because, like I said, she's playing this like dual game where she's one person at home and she's another person around her white family and at school because she's looking for that like Mm -hmm. acceptance and but and China only sees that side of her and maybe if she saw like the side that Flavia sees as her true self 
then maybe she would see the differences between them more. But as it is, she doesn't. And but but Flavia still sees them. And also Flavia is having a time because she is also bisexual mm-hmm. and coming to terms with that. Like she's at the point that we reach these characters, they've both been like, I am mm-hmm. not straight. Nishat is like, I am a lesbian, has told her sister and has told her family. And Flavia is like, I am not straight and I'm probably bisexual. I do like boys, but also like there was this girl that I had a real crush on before where nothing happened. And oh my God, Nishat, I am so into you. Hmm. Um, <laughs> and it's lovely. So, but she hasn't told, she's talked to her mom about it. Um, and th- there's a scene where they go to Flavia's house and her mom speaks. Uh, this is the first book where I've ever, I've read a couple of books in which the characters speak mm-hmm. not English at home. And so the text goes to English for part of them. And I've always just been like, context clues lets me understand what's happening here. And sometimes one of the characters will just do like a direct translation of what was said. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, cool. But for this one, none of that happened. And I was like, I am Google translating this because I want to know. I'm nosy nosy enough. (laughs) Um, And Flavia's mom, Flavia's mom is like, is this the girl you were telling me about? And, And Flavia's like, mom, please stop being embarrassing and then her mom is like she's embar- she's she's beautiful and then Flavia is like we're going to my room and her mom tells her to keep the door open oh my all god. in portuguese i loved it oh my god that's so good yes god yes um, um can i ask just um you mentioned so you've discussed Flavia's issues with her mom and with her white family and with her cousin How's her white dad about it? Um, so her parents are divorced uh, and we don't okay. really get much interaction with her dad. Okay. Um, Flavia and Nishat actually went to primary school together. Mm-hmm. And Flavia was one of the only students in the class that wasn't a bit of a, a, bit of a dick mm-hmm. about the fact that like Nishat had come from another country they do speak English in Bangladesh so like she had English but she had an accent and they all made fun of her for that and they also made fun of her for her um quote-unquote ethnic food Mm. um and whatnot but Flavia was like no we're cool we're friends and then after their parent her parents divorce her mom moved and they went to a different place for a while so they're like they knew each other when they were like 10, 11, and they are now been reunited at 16. Mm-hmm. Um, so they weren't so, in secondary school together for a little while. No, no, this is like, she's all, she's she's a new girl to the school, but like she knows China. She's friends with China's friends as a result of that. Mm-hmm. And also Nishat knows her going back longer. But it doesn't seem like many other people from their primary school like remember her went to this specific one yeah. because because like Nishat was like I didn't really know anyone when I started school and so clearly they must not have gone it's an all-girls school so maybe that had something to do with this well cities are just weird to me so cool I'll accept anything yeah. you tell me about how schools work in cities um <laughs> what way do you uh, want so to go primary... on to discussion of this I like I think I've 
done most of it in that like it is about these two girls and they are in direct competition because the thing that moves the plot along is that they're in transition year which is a year between the junior cert which is the first state exam and when you start doing the proper study for your second state exam the leaving cert Mm -hmm. and so they're in this transition year together and they have started they're 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 in business class and there's a program in ireland called the ty business competition yeah something i won an award for that dang yeah these two girls are going for that award probably not because mine was leitrim county council development award best student interview (laughs) oh but not that one they're doing a good job no they're doing the um the mini businesses they have been tasked with setting up like a mini business and everyone in the class is doing it and everyone in the year will eventually do it and the business that Nishat decides to set up is a henna, mm-hmm. a henna business, because this is something from her culture that she is very proud of and that is very ingrained within her. Her grandmother is like a very skilled henna artist and has all of her own designs and like used used to do the girls' designs whenever they went to weddings in Bangladesh and is very well respected in their community for her henna mm-hmm. and now that they have moved to Ireland and various different things uh, Nishat is also starting to get back into doing henna and she started over the summer because there was quite a large wedding that was coming up so she was practicing the henna for that and as a result she has decided that she's going to do this henna business very close to her this is now, such an interesting thing like you get the complexities of it being something from Nishat's culture but she's also selling it to these white girls but she's getting money for it but they don't understand the importance of it but it's something that sets her apart but she can also gain respect from it oh I'm interested see all of that is accurate and true except that Flavia has also decided to set up a henna business because she was at that wedding. Um, She was also at that wedding. Her sister was a bridesmaid. And she is like, just like, oh, henna is really cool. And I am an artist. And so I'm going to express my art through henna. Oh, confusing, tricky, interesting. Yes, and this is... And this is the primary conflict between the two girls and like the fact that the Flavia is cousins with China and the fact that she and China are doing this business idea together. That is like the primary conflict within the book. And that's what moves the story along is this business that they're doing and the competition between them in it and the the different stages of the competition and the different ways in which they try to sabotage but also support each other in us Mm -hmm. so Flavia is of the opinion that henna is an art form and therefore she can participate in us and Nishat is of the opinion that it is cultural appropriation for someone who is not um, Indian or of Indian descent or African where they also do um, forms of henna to participate 
and to sell us. Yeah. So she's like, I, I am, I am sharing my culture with people, and you are stealing my culture. And by the end of the book, Flavia is like, yeah, no, I do understand that, and it is wrong, and also. I kind of felt a bit weird about it from the start, but then we were like too far gone. Like it was just, too, we were too, too in, in yeah. it. Um, and, and so like they do come to like an area of agreement at some point, but that is like the primary thing. It was a really good and simple discussion of cultural appropriation that I really wish that I had about 10 years ago when cultural appropriation I know that it is still a conversation but it <clears throat> but about 10 years ago or whatnot I was having a lot of conversations about cultural appropriation and what was and wasn't appropriate and it just seemed to be coming up a lot in my life mm-hmm. and also the lives of people around me and I kind of wish that like I had this explanation in this book then just for like the simplicity of the examples. Was there and a the specific between... context that made that issue come up a lot for you then? I think it was just in the media yeah. a lot. I think it was just about. There was probably some fashion thing that had to do yeah, with... Yeah, um, I remember the uh, like Coachella kind of fashions, which appropriate mm. from everyone all the fucking time. Uh, had it in I the think media. Dread- dreadlocks mm. in white people was like a massive thing at the time as well. And there was just a lot more culture sharing happening, but then white people being like, oh, I've been, this culture has been shared with me and now I can profit off it. And it's just like, mm. no, that's not, that's not how it works. Yeah. You should, you should sit down. I still have a friend who I like, argue with occasionally because his stance is that cultural appropriation is a term that's just used to describe what should be called racism and the term cultural appropriation discourages cultural sharing whereas my approach is okay one we're both white why why is this what we're discussing (laughs) and two like there are specific cultural and situational factors that mean like people like white people and actually no Flavia isn't white so it's it's got a strangeness but people are able to be not otherized while profiting off cultural things which are not theirs like you know if like if when Nishat does her henna a lot of the white people around her will be associating that with like uh everything it has in its meaning and culture which they disparage like including her parents restaurant where people are spreading rumors that it smells bad and gives you digestive issues whereas Flavia's not from that so she can just be like this is a temporary tattoo that I am doing but she won't get punished for it she won't get construed the same way because it's not as important for her. And I I don't like when people aren't allowed to have things that are important to them. And I think particularly when it's in a situation where person A, and this is a thing of great cultural importance to person A, and they will get punished for it by person B and people like person B, which is not the example in this book so much, but then person B gets to do it. Like if white people are able to have dreadlocks, but black people aren't, 
that's that's a specific example of cultural appropriation because you are taking something from another person's culture that that person is marginalized for and not getting marginalized for it because you aren't from that culture and yes it's founded in racism but it's helpful to have more specific terms yeah i agree um the other thing is like so the two girls so pretty and nishat like they go to that wedding where they are all done up in henna and then they start school and they still have the henna on them Mm -hmm. and they don't they don't get any pushback from the school like there is no like higher up racism and to be honest like nobody really notices it or acknowledges it which is on its surface is lovely Mm -hmm. until Flavia does China's henna and everyone is like oh my god it's so cool look how oh this is so lovely this is so cool and like oh great and I love it and Nishat's like I've been walking around school for the last two weeks Mm. with henna on my arms and nobody has told me that it looks cool and nice why is it only cool and nice on a white girl with her white girl skin um which in itself is like gross and is is Um, flavia doing like traditional designs um i don't know enough about traditional designs to say that she is or isn't i do know that um she bases some of them on she she creates some of her own designs. She also bases some of them on like Instagram pictures that she finds, and that I and also nishats are all like soft and flowers and like swirls and um, mandalas and like soft lines, mm-hmm. rounded curved lines. And Flavia's are often very like straight lines and diagonals and. Um, Geometric. But they're still geometric. Patterned. They are still patterned. In which case I would say, yeah, no, that's still henna in a like you're not just using a staining material to give a temporary tattoo. That's still a henna design. Oh no, it is henna designs. I just don't know enough about like the traditional henna designs to know if like they would they would have to be curved mm. or soft or if if geometric is just like a modernization of the form Con- if that makes concept. sense concept uh futuristic setting in kind of an afrofuturist way where people have henna tattoos of like circuitry <laughs> fashion cool. yeah um and so like i would say like you were saying and i was saying i can't remember which one of us said it but the fact that flavia and China set up this business and they are popular people also means that like while Nishat's stall is the more authentic one they get all the business mm-hmm. like that she Nishat's business is actually not very popular in part because there's white girls doing this just down the hall yeah. in at their own stall um and this is very frustrating um I don't really want to go in much further about like what happens with the business projects, just that that is the like the two girls both doing henna and the the conversations around that and and the cultural dissidences that they feel of being within their own culture and also outside of their culture in different ways is is the book. Mm-hmm. It's really good. Um, 
Flavia, I just really like, I really like Flavia. I feel like I've talked about her more than Nishat and I feel bad about that. Um, but one of the things that she has to deal with is the fact that like she is Brazilian mm-hmm. and, and that comes with certain connotations and stereotypes, um, including that like Brazilian girls are all freer Mm. with their with their love and sexuality Mm -hmm. and so she has a lot of feelings about coming out as bisexual as a result because she's like yeah the stereotypes overlap and I just don't want to have to deal with that and I'm like babe I love you (laughs) somebody somebody be nice to Flavia please um uh Pretty also has her own stuff going on she has a friend called Ali and Ali has recently gotten a boyfriend and has become slightly distanced Mm -hmm. from pretty as a result which is putting like a lot of strain on her because she is trying to be a really supportive sister to her sister but also like just needs a bit more support at the moment and there's just like a lot going on for her and she's doing her leaving she's doing her junior cert and she's stressed yeah and and that's actually one of the things that like Nishat does get really involved in the competition and like besting Flavia, which is really confusing for her because she's also like, I fancy Flavia, mm-hmm. but I don't want her to win this and I want to beat her at this. Um, and she goes as far as to being like, maybe I'll sabotage her in some way. Ooh. And the and she involves Pretty in this. And then when and the, it doesn't go well, yeah. obviously, it never does. But it causes her to like reevaluate her relationship towards the competition and the way that she is like the amount of time and energy she is spending on everything to do with Flavia because she's like, my sister is hurting and I haven't seen it because I've been too distracted by all these other things. Mm -hmm. And I was like, babe, you beautiful 16 year old, (laughs) you 16 year old child. Um, the, 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 they felt really authentically 16 to me mm. in very 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 in a lovely way um, that I really enjoyed where like she just gets really wrapped up in this thing and she's like oh I've because of this I've, I've forgotten what is really important to me which is my relationship with my sister so I'm gonna like set about reevaluating my priorities and she does put more focus on her sister and like find out what's happening with her and she's like my sister's always been really supportive of me she's been supportive of me in the fact that like when I told her I was gay she immediately supported me and when my parents when our parents were less chill about it she supported me and she's just great I love Mm. her can I ask what the sisters what was Preeti's response to the business war um, mostly her response was like, I support you and I want you to do really well in it. And she's also like really good at Instagram. Like Instagram is a passion of hers mm-hmm. and she has like 3000 followers on Instagram. So she helps Nishat with setting up an Instagram for the business and making sure that the pictures on it look good and, and all of these things. And she also is, she's just really good she helps and supports her Nishat has a couple of other friends that she was initially going to go into business with but because she is like so passionate about it they're like we're being steamrolled and not actually being included so we're gonna start up our own business that is separate to this 
because we actually had that idea and we put it in the group chat and we discussed it and we were really excited about it and then you bulldozed in with your own thing um and so we don't feel included and it's supposed to be the three of us but if you want to do this like cool whatevs and so there's like tension between them as mm. well but that also like you know being a teen is I hard really want to- <laughs> it is hard Okay, this is one of the ways where the sister relationship was just so cute because, like, pure sister, like, she's like, oh, yeah, I know your henna is fine. Like, you do fine henna. So, like, of course you could start a business. And Nishad is like, well, if it's only fine, then I can't start a business. Like, it would have to be good for me to start a business. And Preeti is like, yeah, like, no, it's definitely, like, okay, when I put it up on my Instagram, I get loads of likes and comments and everybody thinks it's great. So obviously, like, it's more than fine, but, like, I won't tell you that it's more than fine. Yeah, I will not praise you. These other people, I will not praise you. And I really like it when you do my henna because it's fine. And I'm I'm letting you do it because, like, you need someone to practice on. But will you do my henna? God. (laughs) Sisters. It's really good. Their relationship is really, really sweet and really nice. And I enjoyed it greatly. Um, yeah, I think that's everything I have to say about this book. Um, I have a question or two. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. obviously, you told me at the beginning that this was an enemies to lovers. And mm-hmm. we've also discussed how Flavia has some issues with her white family and how they construe her. I presume some of her getting closer with Nishat has to come with at least attempting to deal with her own issues around her race and how people otherize it for her. How how does that develop? How does that develop with within Flavia and in her communications with her cousin? Um, we don't really see it mm-hmm. happening. A lot of it is that she is just like watching watching Nishat be so confident in herself and her oneness um makes her see that she is living like a dualness mm-hmm. and and then from there like trying to reconcile it herself. We don't get her POV and so it's difficult to like fully grasp the work that she's doing underneath. But she does come I don't it's kinda happens all right at the end. And there's like a big moment and I don't want to like, I, I want people to read it and to see it themselves because it is really nice. But um, a lot of it is just that she's like, my mom supports me and loves me. And in that I have enough to to be a bit more different. And my she's also like, China loves me. Mm-hmm. China does love me. She just isn't seeing the larger picture. So... Yeah, allyship versus so if I help her, solidarity. So if I help her to see the larger picture, maybe things will come around more. Like, it's not a, a situation... Like, the book doesn't even cover three months, I don't think. Mm. So, like, it's... And it's, it's a very large, complicated situation that isn't going to be rectified in a short period of time. So... But she does, she does come to accept herself more or not even accept herself more but like be willing to be seen Mm -hmm. if that being herself out loud being herself out loud exactly um what are your highlights lowlights and weird little sidelights about this 
I think my highlight is Nishat and Petri's relationship, which I just really enjoyed and I've talked about already. I, I just liked how natural and authentic it felt and how supportive they were of each other, even when they were really angry with each other and at points making each other cry. Mm. But they always like came back round because they were sisters and they loved each other and it was them against the world and I liked that a lot. Um, also Nishat is like I am real shy and conservative and I don't want anyone to notice me but if someone says something about my sister I will kill them and I was just like babe same (laughs) yeah that rings true (laughs) yeah um my low lights was possibly that I don't understand Fahrenheit Mm -hmm. it's fine uh oh a low light which like it's just that I don't Okay, I as a queer person have a very hard time reading media in which people experience homophobia. Mm -hmm. And so I need to know that if I'm reading something that experience that like features homophobia, it's going to have a happy ending. And so I knew that going into this book, but it's still at one point a character is outed to the whole school. And that was bad. That was a bad thing. Thing that like plot relevant made sense it all added up it moved the plot forward sometimes bad things have to happen in order for like a plot to progress but at the same time I was like oh no I'm so glad I already know that this book ends happy um so that was a, a low light I would say that which means- is, it just isn't really isn't fair to call it a low light because again like I know why it happens but I'm like "Mm, I just don't like homophobia in my media even when I read books specifically knowing that there will be homophobia in them I would frame that another way and say hey the author did a great job getting you to empathize with the characters which is not hard when it's you reading a queer book but yeah yes this is true this is true and then my side light is probably that their dad listens to Bollywood's music in the car all the Mm -hmm. time and while both girls really do enjoy Bollywood music they don't like this particular artist Mm -hmm. and they're just like ah dad and I loved that that's accurate dad behavior that's my (laughs) sidelines yeah yeah at one point Nishat is looking to put a song on Spotify and there is like a whole family debate about what song she should play Mm -hmm. and I was just like oh they're just like you and me. <laughs> I, 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 want, I want everyone to know that I'm saying that satirically. But yeah, like, every family is a family. Oh my god. <laughs> yeah, this um, seems like a really, really fun book. Um, and like, not all fun, but you know, worthwhile and fun to read and engaging and all that stuff. It was definitely more fun than it was not fun. And even though like it dealt with serious stuff, it was very lighthearted the whole way through. Like it, there, I've read a lot of books in which people are forced out, right? And mm. this was one of the lighter versions. Okay, good. I love that. <laughs> like it was a nice, it was nice. It was a nice book. Mm. Um, and I, I enjoyed it greatly. The two girls like don't really, they have a lot of stuff going on. And they have a lot of conflicts, but their conflicts are not necessarily based entirely about the fact that they fancy girls, which 
is a pleasant. That is nice. Which is a pleasant. And also, the author has another book coming out in the summer that I'm very excited about called uh, mm-hmm. Honey and Issues Guide to Fake Dating. And that features mm-hmm. a bisexual main character. And I'm excited for that. Amazing. That's great. We all know I got a type and it's bisexual girls having a good time in books. <laughs> and also fake dating is a favorite trope of mine. And I'm really excited for that too. Damn, I wonder why. <laughs> I wonder where you would come across that trope and appreciate it a lot. Also, enemies to lovers. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Mm-hmm. Maybe it's the one kind of fan fiction that you read. Maybe. Shout out to Drari. <laughs> yeah, negative shout outs to you know who, who did you know what. <laughs> He's tangentially associated with Drari, but doesn't own them anyway. <laughs> Do the do the social media wrap up, Eva. Before I do social media wrap up, I was on our anchor account and I would like to give a shout out to our one percent of listenership who are based in Brazil, in Sao Paulo, and our less than one percent of listenership who are based in Bangladesh in the Dhaka division. Uh hi. Hope you enjoyed this. I book. love you. Yeah, and of course the 19% of our listenership who are based in Ireland, of course. Just hi. I love you. That's my response to everyone who listens to our podcast. Um, We will be back in two weeks when I will have read a book, probably. I'm not going to commit to what I will have read because while I know at the end of the last episode, I spoke with great confidence in what I would read. Uh, That may not be the case. So put that out of your mind. Um, But if you want updates on what I will be reading or if we'll have a guest episode or what the deal will be you can follow us on our social medias you can find us on twitter at forever ya pod uh you can look at our goodreads at forever ya pod and if you want to throw us some coins you can do that at patreon.com forward slash forever ya pod if you donate you get to make us read books you can just pick a book your favorite YA book or a YA book you know we'll hate and you can make us read it for the podcast. Please don't and make also us read we... books that you know we'll hate, but like I'll do it, but it was so unpleasant to read that one book that I hated. So yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, I think you should do it. I'm in favor of chaos all, at all times. Um, and if you want to see some of the great graphics Kira makes for our show, you can see those on Instagram at Forever YA Podcast. Uh, we'll have all that stuff linked in the show notes anyway, um, including our email address, which I'm not going to attempt to pronounce now. Um, and yeah, thank you for listening with that. We've been Forever Young Adults. Take care of yourselves, take care of each other, and we'll see you in two weeks. Bye. Bye.